0: Hey, this is Gerald Strawberry, and you listen to the Daniel Baldwin Show. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? Jim Kelly, you're listening to the Daniel Baldwin Show
1: on ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. A woman on the radio. Yeah! inhale because i was off yesterday i was up in toronto shooting a uh, movie um so i got uh, um the joke thief is the name of the film and it's about a uh, stand-up comedian who steals jokes from other comedians who can never get uh, any time in this club and i play the uh carlos Fred- freddy c the club owner oh. who uh, gets to go out and introduce the acts and so I had to work with a bunch of stand-up comedians. It brought back a, a lot of rushes of memories for me, actually, unbeknownst to a lot of people who f- have followed the 19 people around the world that have ever followed my career. Um, uh, I started as a stand-up comedian. So to be on stage and, and, um, and tell uh, um, some jokes and introduce acts and everything was uh, was a 30-year throwback to me from my days with Roddy Dangerfield. Uh, in New York and and some of the people whose clubs that I got to work in. It was quite a lot of fun. I had a great time. But I'm back. I'm back. Revved up, ready to go. And and we've got a a full slate of shows. And I'm going to queue up. I'm going to have Larry Dickman, Joe Salzone, queue up something that I think you need to listen to that I took a lot of criticism for on social media. And the great Nostra Daniel had this to say Friday before the Super Bowl. In the land-led by Donald Trump the fourth quarter shall be their hump like Houdini we focus on illegals the victory goes to the Philadelphia Eagles hey now wow. <laughs> and you heard it in the form of a quatrain um, like I said about the national title in college football weeks before and predicted all of the playoff games correctly and the uh, eventual winning of uh, wearing the shirt today of the Alabama Crimson Tide. I also told you you'd be foolish to think that New England was going to win this game. They did not. But the more important question that comes to my mind as we watch, uh, and we're going to do a few segments today uh, if related to the Philadelphia Eagles, what happens to Nick Foles? So as I look at this situation, it reminds me very much of what happened in New York when Phil Sims had already delivered a Super Bowl victory. He got hurt late in the year. He had carried the team as the starting quarterback and in steps, Jeff Hosteller and Hosteller goes on to beat the Buffalo Bills in a very, very close Super Bowl, but Hosteller wins the Super Bowl game. Now, this is a little bit different in this case because um, Foles had quarterbacked the team to eight out of ten victories when he had the opportunity to before Wentz. He steps in and wins multiple games, takes them through an unlikely playoffs, and wins the MVP of the game at 29 years old. So the question becomes, is there going to be some type of quarterback controversy in Philadelphia based on the fact that this guy delivered the goods for the first time ever, Josh?
2: I think that it's, uh, it's, it would be so stupid to let Carson Wentz step back into that position after your guy just won you the Super Bowl. Now that being said, I think I can admit the fact that Carson Wentz will be given his starting position back. It only makes sense. And then Nick Foles will be given the shaft.
1: Sam? I I, I think that when Carson Wentz is playing like almost at an MVP level for almost the whole season, and then he goes down, I, I get this is a, a Drew Bledsoe, Tom mm-hmm. Brady scenario as well, but, but I don't see how you can just give it away to, to Nick Foles, who had a great playoff run yeah. but what 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 if he's Joe Flacco
0: no i know you can't yeah i know. <laughs> well, you really can't well, well here, here this is very similar to i i took a lot of heat when i said you know, again, remember, I report things the way I look at them from my st- my standpoint, from my point of view. It doesn't have to be right. I listen to guys like Brent Axe. I listen to guys like Matt Park. I listen to Paulie. I listen to the guys in this room because you're foolish not to take a look at what other people see when they look through the window as opposed to what you see. None of us are wrong. None of us are right until you eventually say who's going to win a game and someone wins it. So, with that said, you know, I went back and I took a lot of heat for saying that Dino Baber should probably jump on the bandwagon now if his intention isn't going to be to be the Syracuse University coach for the next decade. And I don't believe, based on his track record, no, I don't know what he wants, and I don't know what his wife wants, I don't know how they feel about living here, about. But if I'm a guy who I've seen coaching in Illinois, then he coaches in Ohio, then he turns around and he's here, he's probably looking to get involved in a bigger program somewhere down the road, elevate himself to the level where he gets that offer. And I said, if I'm him, my agent's calling people after that Clemson win, looking for an offensive coordinator or a head football job in the SEC right now. Now, of course, he didn't do that when he had the opportunity to, because his name was at Florida and other places, and he didn't do it. Now he's here. Now he's going to have to win. And when I look at the schedule next year, I say... I see probably five wins. I don't know that they're bowl eligible. There's no lock to be bowl eligible next year. So he's here now for a while. The same thing's going to be said of this. This is a 29-year-old quarterback that you owe him, in my opinion, your Philadelphia to trade him to someplace where he gets a chance to shine somewhere. Because there's no way they're not going to start Wentz. I agree with Sam. There's no way they're not going to start Wentz. Wentz is their quarterback. He's definitely going to be the quarterback unless he's hurt again. And it's nice to have Foles. But is that fair to Foles? Is that fair to a guy who's proven under pressure. I mean, he carved Minnesota up. And you know, I'll tell you what, when I watched the Super Bowl, I looked and I went, oh, oh, here they come. And sure enough, New England takes the lead in the fourth quarter. I went, they're done. And that guy stood up and he was tough, man. He was in that pocket. He took some shots. He delivered the ball. He brought him right back downfield and scored and won that game. And you know what? That guy deserves to be in Jacksonville. He deserves to be in a team that is is on the rise, that needs a quarterback, that has Proven that under pressure and with limited skills compared to some of the other athletes. But man, he really, really was that good in that game. Excuse my ignorance, but wasn't he? Is,
2: is Wentz going to be out for a couple games in the beginning of the season too? It's like a it's little a
1: unclear because he tore his LCL as well yeah. as his ACL. So they were saying that he might miss. I think originally they said he's going to be back like in December, but then it could be September is what he was saying. Uh-huh. So it's an unclear timeline. So if Foles yeah. were to stay, he let would, me, could let, essentially
0: let, play the beginning. Let, 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 me, let me tell you what's really clear about that timeline okay. now. There was an unclear timeline previous to the... The other quarterback on his team winning the MVP, catching a touchdown pass, yeah. marching them down the field and winning, and having there be a quarterback country, he'll be there starting. One. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to let Foles go two and zero and create or three and zero and create some kind of. Problem. Carson Wentz will be their opening day. I promise you, he's on the fast track now. He smells it. He's not. I don't think. I don't think even Foles thinks he's going to start. But if Foles to, now, you play that tape forward for a second. If Foles goes three and zero in Philly. You replaced him with... No way. Now you got a a quarterback controversy. He will be ready to start this season next year for sure. I don't believe Falls is the Philadelphia backup. I think they owe it to him. They really do. And the Philadelphia fans, the Philadelphia fans, as much as they love him right now, they would be the first ones. They're very loyal, very dedicated. That kind of New York mentality that we have up here in Buffalo with the Giants, with the Jets. They're going to say, man, let that guy go play. He's earned the right to go do that. And so I think that they're going to trade him. The question is... What does Philadelphia need? You know, that becomes the game of you don't want to trade him to somebody in your division. I would never want to see that. You know, I mean, he's pretty damn good. And he, now he knows how the donuts are made, too. And he knows so. all their plates. Yeah. So you definitely don't want him to go to some team that's within your division. But there are definitely teams that are on the right. He'd be a great fit in Oakland. You know he'd be a great fit there. You know I'm I'm not a believer in, in Carr and, the, and that guy. I don't think he's got anything. I think he's a great fit. Bortles is, Bortles is not going to be a team that's going to take you. He's not going to take you as a leader to a championship. This guy has proven he can win a Super Bowl and win it and win the MVP. So I love the fit of him in Jacksonville.
1: What What about a team primed to overpay that that always does? What about Cleveland?
0: Well, you know, you know, you bring up an interesting question, Sam. If he goes to a team that, because they've got money and they've and and they've moved some stuff around salary cap wise. But does he want to go? You know, that's that terrible thing when the Florida Marlins won the title and they had the yard sale and sold everybody to different teams. When you're the guy that's going to, you know, Pawtucket, you know, I mean, and and you're like, really? I just won a World Series. How anticlimactic is that? I think he's going to have some say because of his veteran status. He's been in the league a decade now. I think. I mean, or pretty close to it, nine years. Mm. So I'm sure he doesn't want to go somewhere. But you're right. If he doesn't have that in his contract, that he has the ability to block that. A lot of teams don't want a guy that um that that doesn't want to be there they really don't want to go to do that but what does the what does Philadelphia need that they want as compensation for giving away the mvp you know so they're going to want some some stuff in the defensive backfield probably maybe an offensive lineman and a draft pick is there a team that has that to give them in exchange for somebody who has done so well in the last season
2: the onion had a hilarious headline too that said uh uh, uh, Eagles head coach congratulates Foles on his trade to the Browns while handing him the Lombardi trophies. <laughs> like, oh, it's like, know. yeah, that's kind of how it's going to go. Uh, by the way, in studio, Nick Fior from uh, the uh, Daily Orange who joined us. Single too. Oh, sorry, Sam. I said Nick. <laughs> Sam, yeah. the man Fior. And of course, you guys can get your opinion in anytime you want Three one five two eight eight zero six four four. That is the text line two eight eight zero six forty four, and the phone's always open
0: for ESPN forty four. So, so the, the, you bring up a really interesting question, and that is, it, it, I I know the answer would be for me as an athlete. If they told me you're going to go behind Wentz, Wentz is going to be ready by the start, and you're going to be the backup on a team. That'll probably be deep into the playoffs again, if not, you know, have a chance to repeat. The NFC East is not exactly that strong, so they're going to the playoffs again, unless they lose a lot of guys to free agency. So, with that said, do you take the keys to the car so you can drive in Cleveland and be the starter in a team that's gonna? If they win six games next year, they're lucky. They were terrible this year. Yeah. And, and so that you can be on that team, how how does that work for the guy psychologically? You know, I mean, I know he's a devout Christian, and I know that he is a family man. You know, so I think you know what kind of team he goes to probably matters to him from a personal standpoint. But how do you go—anything short of going to a team that's going to go deep into the playoffs has to seem anticlimactic to this guy now.
2: You can't go from winning the Super Bowl to winning six games. Like, that's just going to seem like, oh, that
0: was a bummer, you know? Well, I, think if, I think that if sports were, um, were fair, that you would sit down as the owner with this guy and say, hey, what do you want to do? That's what I would do. I I think they owe that to him. I would want to sit down. You know, Al Davis, when he owned the Raiders and he was still alive, I knew Al very well. And, and, you know, he was the guy that negotiated a lot of the contracts with this player. He wouldn't let an agent in the room. He'd say, what do you want? I want to keep you. Here's what I have, and they, and he worked the deals out, and then he would invite the agent. And here's what we worked out. And they the agents hated it, hated it, because Al liked to talk to the guys himself. So, with that said, when you've got Nick Foles sitting across from you, do you give him the choice? Do you say, Nick, we're going to start Carson if he's ready, and you're going to be the backup on the World Championship team? Do you want that, or do you want us to trade you? Which is kind of similar to what happened in this Brady situation, where. They had talks about sending him, they, the inquiry was originally made, and we didn't know that in the press, to get Brady to come out to San Francisco. And it was Brady that went to Kraft, he went to the owner and said, hey, I really don't want to go there right now, I'd rather stay here for now, I realize, and so they sent against Belichick's wishes, Garoppolo out there. So, you know, do they owe that to Nick Foles? I think they owe that to him. I and think I, he should make that choice. I
3: wonder
2: if it'd be all that bad to stay on the Eagles. you got to figure, that like, Let's say you don't want you don't want uh, Carson wants to get hurt again, obviously. But let's say you're on the team that could potentially go to another Super Bowl. Now you're on a stacked team at this point. So would it be so bad to be the backup QB on an amazing team? Sam? But at the
1: same time, I think you know you were saying he's a family man, he's a Christian. But I mean, as a competitor, I think this guy thinks to himself: I just made a huge Super Bowl run. I, I just won the biggest game there is right. to give you your first Super Bowl ever. I want to start. I mean, and if it's not yeah. if it's not over, Carson Wentz. I just want to play somewhere. So, so here's my
0: analogy. So Reggie Jackson gets up in the 77 or 78 World Series against uh, the Dodgers, and the first pitch, and he cracks a home run. And then the next time he gets up, they throw one pitch, and he cracks a home run. If they had switched to a left-handed pitcher, <laughs> do you think he would have walked up to Billy Martin and said, it's okay if you pinch it for me with a righty? <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's exactly what 100%. I'm talking about. You know? So, so you're right, Sam. W- when, when you take a look at where this guy is, and I also look at his productivity as a player and his expected. As an athlete at twenty nine, at a quarterback, you know there's only thirty two guys that start. You know, w- w- play play the the tape forward and put yourself in Brady's situation, which is very similar to what happened when 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 they had uh, Grogan a Grogan at quarterback and they and they turned around and they and they switched from Grogan. That's a better analogy when they switched to Grogan to um, oh, who was the who was the quarterback after Grogan? Um, oh, we were just talking about him. Uh, New England quarterback before Brady. What's up? A- Bledsoe, right. So, Grogan, Grogan was a known quarterback. Bledsoe came in. He finally got a start because Grogan was hurt. He started taking off. Would Brady turn around if Brady got hurt? Think about this. Next year, three games into the season, Brady gets hurt. He's out for four weeks. And someone comes in and just cracks it. And, you know, Romo, it happened to Romo in Dallas. He never took another snap after he hurt his back. I called that mm-hmm. as Nostradano. Mm-hmm. So. You take a look. At it. You think Tom Brady is going to say I'll come back the next season at 41 and be a backup to somebody? It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. His his window of opportunity right now to shine and get a 3 or 4 year run with the team until he's 33, make the money that he really wants to make now and everything. What are they going to pay him as a backup? You going to pay him what you paid Carson Wentz? He didn't win a Super Bowl. Yeah. He didn't win a Super Bowl. I think they got to trade him. I think he's gone. Phones
2: are open. The question is, what do we do with Nick Foles? Obviously, we will talk Q hoops. Big win over Louisville last night. That's why Sam hangs on Tuesday. Sam Fior from the Daily Orange in here. And, of course, uh, you can be heard yourself on the Daniel Baldwin Show. 288-0644. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse.
3: Syracuse in Winston-Salem Sunday to face Wake Forest. Tip at 2, Orange pregame 145. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show,
0: presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino. Hey now, and we're back. Paulie the Mole, are you on the line? I am here. Paulie the Mole, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we got some personal business that we need some some inside show stuff that our fans who listen to the show quite a bit. Paulie, you've been on the road. You've been in Louisville. We're going to talk to you about that. We've got Sam here with us, Josh. <laughs> And Sam, who was
2: also at the game, managed to be back for today's show. So,
0: so, you know, uh, another set of eyes and Mm -hmm. how they saw it, uh, you know, from a reporting perspective. But first, let's open up with something that's very compelling to me. Now, you know that occasionally I have to take a Monday off. I shoot uh, a series of talk shows in San Antonio, Texas, in Dallas, in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I was off from work here only because I had to go to work. And I usually make sure that I let you know that as the producer of the show and the great one, Ed Levine, that uh, I have this. It has come to my attention that it's going to snow this evening. Oh, yes. Can you guess where I'm going? Yeah, I was going to ask the this, this same question myself. Yeah, though it's already been predetermined that Mr. Salzone will be taking the day off tomorrow. He's planning on
3: no! it. No! No! <laughs> That's not how life works!
0: Mr. Salzone has to take care. He has very limited personal injury insurance on his vehicle. <laughs> And recently was found, I understand, in a ditch. Is that correct, Joe? You, the co- the car went in a ditch. Yep. How did that work out? They towed it out. Oh, no damage. Died. Yeah. Any I injury? I ended up in the ditch. No. Yeah. How did you end up in the ditch? What happened? Are you going tell take us through it.
3: No, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't like driving in the snow, and uh, no, I'm not coming in tomorrow. Max will uh, fill that's, in. Max has been out the last no, two that's days. That's not how life works. Well, now. <laughs> Snow
0: Where's the disconnect button? <laughs> so we thought, we thought as the on-the-road producer and our leader, we would let you know that Mr. Salzone is not going to come into work tomorrow. So I guess you're working the board, and uh, Joe's going to have to take a snow day. <laughs> he
3: you works. can't preempt it. It hasn't snowed yet. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my I've life.
0: Got, mm-hmm. I've got two words for you, my friend. Doppler radar. Doppler radar, Joe Salzone.
2: <laughs> Maybe he can it, get on a plan it, and
0: then talk about uh, talk to me.
2: I, I, cannot, I got, There is no more uh, accurate weather forecast than Joe Salzone. No, there isn't. The I, weatherman is, turned got, to him.
0: There isn't.
3: I got three words for Joe. Get to work. He <laughs> has to be
2: there tomorrow. <laughs> we'll it see. Ain't,
0: we'll
3: it ain't going
0: to happen, Polly. It ain't going to happen. Uh, well, now, now, now you, you don't fly and you drive. God bless you. You drive to all these events. And, where are you right now? Yeah, yeah where are you at? I'm in
3: Rochester. To- oh, pretty close.
0: In, okay, so you're up in Rochester, but you're coming from Louisville. I want to know how that works out because in Rochester, north of us, I would say. a little to the <laughs> west, must Did you a, make a wrong turn? How'd you? How'd that happen? No, <laughs> you, know, you had, go up,
3: you go up ninety, and then
0: down. Were you, were you in a ditch last night? What happened?
3: No, I drove through the snow fine because I'm a capable human being. <laughs> 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 he had
0: to meet a
2: side piece out at the uh, Red Roof Inn, and wow! All right, so so we <laughs> have a, do we
0: do we have a so what ready, Joe? No, we don't, have a <laughs> we don't have a so what ready. We
2: he will have by the end of the show. He claimed.
0: Is that is that what it's going to be by the end of the show? Yeah, I believe ready? so. Yes. Is that also is that a yay or a no by the end of the show?
3: yeah uh, sure. Yeah.
0: Okay, good. So, <laughs> sure. Yeah. What do I care? I don't have to come in tomorrow. and yeah. to Listen to it. What <laughs> are you going to do about it? So so let's go into it. We're gonna we're we gonna go to Syracuse seventy eight, Louisville seventy three. Now I you know I listened to uh, a lot of the other guys' shows. I heard Infante and. Uh, and Seth talking about, and, and and I was my my mind was blown by this statement. This is the biggest win since the Elite Eight win. This is as big a win as the Duke win. This is, and I'm thinking to myself, are we watching the same season right now that to compare this to beating Duke on a half court shot? You know, when they're ranked like number three in the country or something. The beating Louisville on the road was as big as a win as that. So I don't see it, but I'm gonna turn it over to two guys who know more about it. Sam, you're up first. What did this mean, this win to you? And
1: and, and are those statements are, are are you as livid about listening to that as I am? I'm not. But I think I, I I'm not sure if it's as big a win, but in, in terms of this season, I think it's a huge win because they needed road wins. They lost at Georgia Tech. Uh, as Jim Baham said, they kinda of beat themselves. But they they needed uh, they needed this road win to really kind of put them back into contention on the bubble. What do you what do you got out there, for us, Mo? Yeah. Mo, what
0: are you? Are you digging through cans? Are you digging through garbage What's to try to find change? He's trying to find change to pay the toll right now. I told you, it's the worst
2: connection I've ever heard in my life. I like uh, it.
3: What did I see last night? Or what was? It definitely wasn't a big win. It was a great win for an average team, but it wasn't it wasn't like monumental. Of- win of
0: any sort, no. Well, good, because you said something that, that that I wanted to point out, which is with a team that's a sub-500 record in the ACC, and you look at this win, it was an important win for this year's team. It was important because it was, as Sam pointed out, a road victory. It was an ACC win. It's a place that we have not won on the road in over five years. So these are all great uh, um, 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 Points of interest for this team, but in as far as comparing it to some of the wins that propelled us into a Final Four or upset, you know, a number two or three team, you know, no, I I, I don't see that. But but there, there lies the important word, which is expectation. So as far as expectation for this year's team... It was a very important win, for sure, and that and that's because to the bar, because you're playing for Jim Beheim and you're with a, a stellar program that has a, a, a you know a huge history of winning national titles multiple times. So you look at that and you say, what do you really expect from this team? So we're shooting for getting in the tournament. And with that said, how important is it? For them to get in the tournament, because I can tell you a lot of reasons why battle, 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 why not getting into the tournament and not shining any more light on this great athlete than we do now gives us a better chance at keeping him one more year. Now, I've gone on and done further research by talking to a couple other very big sports agents that agree with me 100 percent, and that is... Should he not garner a signing bonus, and he's not even in the mock draft right now on ESPN, should he not sign, does his value increase more by scoring 24 points a game in a top 10 preseason ranked Syracuse team that could go deep into the tournament? Does he make up more ground when they sign him off of that season than he does what he loses if he passes? And the answer is most probably he would make even more money to play another year at Syracuse than he would. Now he's going to try. He's going to. He's going to. He's going to go ahead and make himself eligible for sure. To see what comes across his, his plate and to see if it makes sense for him and his family and what he has to do. But believe you me, if you're the agent that wants to sign him, he's not starting on some NBA team anytime soon. He's not. He's not an NBA starter right now. Could he ever be? It's possible. He could play. He fits right into like a, a a San Antonio Spurs situation four or five years down the road as the as the second forward kind of thing, you know, or or small forward kind of player. Um, is he going to play guard in the NBA? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to play guard in the NBA. I don't think he's quick enough. I don't think he's quick enough to play guard in the NBA. So, And, and he better develop an outside shot sometime soon if he expects to, to play against guys like Curry and other guys who would just roast him. So he needs another year. I think that the Syracuse you know um, not doing um, better is better for their, their chances of, of keeping him than for him, you know, to take off. God forbid, the guy they win, they get to the tournament, they win four games. You know, they go to the elite eight or something. He's gone, man. He's totally gone because it'll be because he scored twenty eight a game for sure would be the reason why. Sam, what are your
1: thoughts? Uh, I think in terms of keeping battle, I'm not sure, but in terms for this season, I think it's pretty important just because if they miss the tournament this season. Jim Beheim will have missed the tournament three times in the last four seasons. Uh, I'm not sure if that's if that's happened. Obviously, the the Final Four kind of perfumes this whole thing. But if you look at the last four years, win loss wise, in, in modern Syracuse history, if we define modern as since Jim Beheim took over as coach, I would imagine that this is a four year stretch that's that's really that when been one of his worst win loss wise. So I think it's important that he makes the tournament this year.
0: Huh. For his legacy, then, you think? or
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not talking about job security or anything like yeah. that. Right. Yeah, but you know, he's not going anywhere. No, but just in terms of, obviously, the recruiting can be chalked up to uncertainty and job status, but in terms of, I guess, legacy or, or continuing the successful tradition at Syracuse, that's what everybody talks about. That's kind of what you trade on. But if you missed them in three of the last four years, I'm not sure how valid that is.
2: Hmm. And who do you get? I mean, who's who's going to start coming to this college if you have a team that's getting blown out in the ACC tournament and then is not even in the uh, ACC? I mean, the uh, NCAA tournament—they don't even make the tournament.
0: Well, th- th- that's an interesting argument. So, Paulie, is our going to the tournament or missing it as a bubble team that important to recruiting who they're going to get to come next year?
3: They, they already got the recruits lined up for next year. And look, it, it, me as a guy on the sideline as a fan. If this team makes the tournament and they get four wins, and they get to a Final Four. Goodbye, Tyus Battle. Thank you for everything you've done. I'll take that in
0: heart. Yeah, there's there's no question. But but does that so 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 the bar of going? Let's just say let's not be. This is not a Final Four team. That I can promise you. So, but if they slipped into the sixteen, which which is not. Unfathomable. If they shot the ball a little bit better, they they've had a couple of games where they shot one game. They shot sixty percent from the field. They get hot two games and they get productive, and the big guy gets a few rebounds and changes some shots inside and creates misses. Yes, Syracuse University. Listen, Syracuse could beat Duke. Syracuse. They could beat anybody. You know, you. I'll never forget when Villanova won the title, and I and I watched. They shot eighty six percent for the game. Some unheard of percentage. You get hot, and two guys drop twenty eight. You're done. There's 56 points from two guys. So that can happen on any given Sunday, is the theory. The question is is it that important for us to make it to a round of 16 versus, you know, does that, is that, is that the bar here? You know, does that really change the season that much? For me, because it's Syracuse, if you don't win it, you didn't win it. That's it. I mean, they're that good, they're that good a program. They're, they're a team that when you're North Carolina, you're Duke, you're one of the big, big teams in the country, you don't take lightly even a 500 Syracuse team coming on your court. You know they can beat you. You know they are talented enough to beat you. So we already have that reputation, whether or not Jim Beheim has won less games in the tournament in the last four years. He's Jim Beheim. They're scared. They're scared, for sure. We can beat anybody. There's no question. Will we beat five teams in a row in a tournament in March? No, we won't do that with this team. So, again, I fall back on what's the best thing for Syracuse basketball. The best thing for Syracuse basketball is if we figure out a way to keep battle one more year, and then we're in the top ten for sure next year. We've
2: got seven games coming up, four of them against ranked opponents, so it is not a uh, a good-looking run ahead of us. Wake Forest on Sunday uh, at the Dome. We will come back. Thank you, Paulie. No, Paulie.
3: Paulie.
0: Polly. Yeah. Yeah, you listening? Yeah. Joe Salzone wrote the so what. You sure you don't want to stick around?
3: <laughs> no, I don't want to stick
0: around. All right,
3: all I, right. I want to go to the 316. I'll take that any year. All right. all
0: right, do it. All right,
2: later. We will come back. Obviously, get your voice heard. Text line phones are open. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse.
3: Hi, it's Jim Beheim, and you're listening to the Pulse of the Orange ESPN Radio, ninety-seven point seven and one hundred point one. This is the Daniel Baldwin
2: Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino.
0: Hey, now, and we're back. The mighty Del Lago Resort Casino. I was on the phone today with Jason Klug, talking poker, talking Loving about it. Talking about our event that we're going to have out there. Are you going to come, it. Sam? Yeah, I'll be. Oh, yeah. We got, we're got. we going to do You old it. enough
2: to gamble there, huh, Sam? <laughs> yeah. I... All
0: right. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. His voice, his voice cracked, but he's <laughs> old enough. <Yeah. laughs> oh, yeah. Don't pay no attention to that pimple. It's oozing. Sam Fortier um, from the Daily Orange joins us on Tuesdays. So, so Sam, you were at the game. What? T- tell us a couple things. What did you see that you liked? What did you see that you didn't like against Louisville?
1: Uh, best thing I saw was Frank Howard comes out of that media timeout. The crowds roaring, they're playing "The Joker and the Thief" by Wolfmother full full blast. Mm. It's like the whole it, they're really getting up because Syracuse lead down from fourteen to five. Frank uh, Frank Howard gets the ball, top of the left wing. Quinn Snyder, the their you know their guy that they've had on him all game, getting in his grill. And with about four seconds left on the shot clock, he hits a three, and it's a huge three because it quiets the crowd right down. And he he does the little you know he puts his finger over his hand, does the shush. Yeah. And after the game. I'm asking him, yo, what did you see on that shot? And he's going, yeah, so the the way he was on the court, it was on Syracuse's side. He's looking over at the bench. And he says there's this, you know, this Ray Featherston, this five foot 150-pound walk-on who hasn't appeared in a game this year. Mm-hmm. He said Featherston, with four seconds left, just stood up, and he put up his three fingers with his right <laughs> hand, like like, take the three. And Frank was like. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah I, like, I like the hype guy, the side drills, drills the three. Anyway, I do. That's a great story about you
0: know the story about Montana? No. When he came, Joe Montana comes in the huddle and they've got, you know, the 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 famous drive when he throws the ball to Clark, the great catch by Clark in the end zone to win the Super Bowl. And when he got into the huddle, they got the ball after a, after a punt, like, you know, a, a, on the nine-yard line or something. They've got 91 mm-hmm. yards to go. They've got two minutes left in the game. And Montana walked in. He said two things. He walked in. He goes, hey, 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 quiet, quiet, quiet. Listen, we're going to win this game. We're going to win. And it was Joe Montana. So they all got real quiet and they looked at because they were pretty nervous. You know, I mean, 91 yards, two minutes. And there was a quiet. And he goes, holy crap, look over there. It's John Candy. And Montana pointed out that John Candy was standing on the San Francisco sideline. And everyone turned and looked over and saw there's John Candy, you know, jumping up and down. And they were all, what is he talking about? It's John Candy. Yeah. But it, he said it got everyone so calm. Take your mind off it. It, it, it was. They were all going, why is he pointing out that John Candy's on the side?" I always love that go story. Go back into muscle memory. At I that always love that story. How many, uh,
1: how many minutes did the walk on get? Brandon. He got about one minute. Uh, Marek Dolazai, the. The forward, your your favorite guy. Oh, guy, I love that guy. You <laughs>
2: do, you love him. Slovenian or whatever he, he is.
1: He picked up his third foul. All the forwards had had two fouls. Chuku had two fouls, so they took him out, put in Braden, and uh, they did that thing where they had that last possession uh, at the end of the half. So they everybody cleared out and they let Battle go because that's what they always do. Yeah, knew. yeah. And Battle, I think he got like halfway up on a floater from the high post and decided he didn't want to take it, so he flipped it out to Bayer. Bayer gets called for the travel, <laughs> and then oh, man. Louisville inbounds the ball. Syracuse doesn't play defense. They take one step in, two steps in from half court and hit a buzzer-beating three. Come on, Bayer. Tough on. sequence.
0: Well, wow. wow, that's tough. And that was it for him? He didn't that see the. That was it. Reaction. He did not see the court again. Oh. Wah, 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 it's your time wah. to shine, Bayer. What are you doing? Let's play a little so what. Joe Salzone has created the so what for us today. So this should be very interesting.
3: It won't be. the. <laughs> o- <laughs> sure, go ahead. The Lakers reportedly not pursuing a superstar free agent this summer. And will instead, quote, recalibrate their focus on the summer of 2019. Telling you, he's going to the Clippers, man. So what?
0: Who cares? So- I hate, I hate <laughs> the Lakers. I hate, I hate them. I hate them. What do you got?
1: Um, I'm, I'm, so what? Yeah, so, what? I'm also so what? We talked about the Clippers last week.
0: Yeah. yeah, so what?
1: Police
3: in Foxborough, Massachusetts investigating an alleged burglary at Rob Gronkowski's house. No comment from cops about what was stolen. Yeah, right after the Super Bowl, right? Somebody broke into his house.
2: how yeah. do you
0: like that when you when you're the guy's policing in the neighborhood and you go? Because I've said to my wife before, when she posts something on social media, can't wait to go to blah blah. And I go, now everyone in the neighborhood knows we're not home. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You no, know, do I do have two giant dogs that yeah. I, I would, you know, I don't even know what they would do. But one of them is over 200 pounds in a year now. I would hate to find out. I would not be the guy to break into that house. So, but but at the same time, you know. What a brilliant crime. You're Gronkowski. You're the kid sitting next to a party in the house. You see him on TV. Yo, dude, he ain't home. (laughs) Are you you sure?
2: Yeah,
3: he
0: ain't home. No, he ain't
3: home. I'm looking at the TV. Well, Here's the weird thing about it. So police are not saying what was stolen, but there's a a recording uh, with the voice of a police dispatcher saying that multiple safes
0: and possibly guns were taken.
3: Wow. What are you doing,
0: Gronk? Another, another New England shooting situation getting ready to happen? Gronk. Scarface. Were they, were they both tight ends? Weren't they both tight ends? They were. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. want to think about that. Who Jeez. wants to be tight in, in New England anymore? Terrifying. And actor
3: Robert Wagner is now listed as a person of interest in the uh, drowning of
0: Natalie Wood. Well, I mean, I can tell you, I can't tell you on air the story that I heard, but... Um, It was supposedly on the boat was Natalie Wood, her husband, Robert Wagner, and Christopher Walken. Mm -hmm. Um, And mysteriously, the next morning, Natalie Wood was found floating uh, in the water and she was dead. Uh, And so for a long time, there wasn't really not a great story behind what anyone had to say about, well, I don't know, I woke up and they weren't there. There's a lot of speculation on the inside in Hollywood about things that might have been taking place on the boat that Natalie walked in on. Um. And, oh. And, and, uh, that, that's that's the rumor I heard. That's the way I'll leave it. I, I'm not going to get red buttoned for that. Am I no. Kidding?
3: No. You you won't. Uh, the, the reason that uh, police reopened the case because this happened in what 1969, 1970. Yeah. So a few decades ago, uh, I, I guess someone came to them with uh, with information, and apparently Wagner and Wood argued that yeah. uh, the night before yes. the drowning. Yes. So. I mean I don't know how you prove something that happened 40 plus years ago.
0: Well, you know, it's it's the same as the the prison logic of all of it. People like to talk Mm-hmm. And as they get older too and they think that, you know, their time is very limited, uh, and you carry something like that on your conscience, did he say something to someone or did he lead someone to believe? I would say that for a long, long time it was understood, uh and and and, and at no time am I saying that I know this to be fact, but it was acknowledged by many in my field that Robert Wagner knew more than what he was suggesting mm-hmm. that he knew about the death of Natalie Wood. So uh You know, there is no statute of limitations on it. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I doubt, you know, at 80-something years old now, um, they're going to end up prosecuting and putting him in prison. But uh, for her sake and for her family's sake, if there was some wrongdoing that took place, uh, you know, let's find out what it's all about.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Let's uh, not a so what. That's not a so
0: what. Not a so what. Not a so what.
2: All right, let's take our last break, come back, get ready to close things out here on a Tuesday episode of The Daniel Baldwin Show. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, presented by Del Lago Resort and Casino.
0: Hey now, and we're back with the last segment of the big show. And I want to talk about, we only have a few minutes left at the end of the show now, but let's talk about the rioting at the Super Bowl. Okay, so so if, let me just let me just get a quick opinion from each of 30 seconds. Sam, why do they riot after these games?
1: They riot because they've never won a Super Bowl before and Philadelphia is famously rambunctious about its teams when you throw snowballs at Santa Claus. I think, you know, you, you earn a, your reputation when you climb telephone poles coated in Crisco, you earn a reputation, and basically that's what happened. Josh, the brains of Philadelphia Eagles fans are scientifically smaller than the average <laughs> brain.
2: It has been proven. Uh, <laughs> wow, and they just overreact. I, uh, it's yeah. No, I don't know because they. I think they're just so pent up, and then to have that big of a victory, they just don't. They have to unleash it on something So instead of punching. A, you know, the guy next to him, they start punching a Toyota Prius.
0: Which they flipped. Joe, any opinion? Uh, So
3: what? (laughs) (laughs) what?
0: Well, here is what scientific studies have proven, because this has actually been, and there's some really interesting things. Um, Behavior changes when people become part of a mob. All mob Uh, mentality, yeah. Strong psychological and physiological responses when a team wins or loses. And here's the really interesting thing. Unlike our European counterparts in sports, usually um, European football or as we know it, soccer, violence occurs where hooligans seek opposing fans and they get violent. So you're the loser of the game. You're a sore loser. You look at the guys that have the jerseys on for the other team that won and you're pissed, so you start a fight with them. As opposed to U.S. fans who seek inanimate objects yeah, we to vandalize <laughs> to express their violence like poles, street signs, windows they light cars on fires uh, you know so um, it, it's really interesting to see um, and this usually occurs believe it or not in victory on High-stakes games so winning an NFL championship winning this the the World Series in baseball it's, it's it's the big big ones and it's in victory that they do it not in any kind of protest. So uh, there's there, there's a lot of s- other physiological stuff that they study for instance you can go up to as a man and and you know uh, uh, stereotypically Heterosexual man and hug a complete stranger and touch him very closely in celebration of the victory of a game. Someone you've never just because he has that jersey on and you're at that game. So that camaraderie and that that pack mentality that takes place, but it has um, it has put great wonder on many psychologists around the world that this only occurs in the United States. Nobody else does this? This kind of violence does not occur in victory where people celebrate. Now, there's not much being talked about about the amount of alcohol and drugs and things that are being consumed. Oh, we're pretty good at that. Yeah, we're very good at that. We're very good at that. And and, and we inherited that from our... our, our our British Isles counterparts. But what do we got left, Joe? Two minutes. Two-minute drill left. So it's, I I find, but I find it quite fascinating that I can see when, you know, a bad call comes across, Mm -hmm. you know, a a controversial overturning of a game, you know, whatever, where you would, you would create, you know, even in, in our great court system, you know, O.J. Simpson's not guilty Rodney King and and there's a faction of people that in support of this person because of the decision that's been made but these are guys that should be really happy they won yeah no it's mob
2: mentality like you said it, it's just all this pent up you see one guy doing it and you're just like oh, I've been angry at Toyota Priuses for a long time <laughs> and now is my yeah. time to flip it and you just everybody gets wound up and you flip the damn car
0: can you over. imagine what would happen if there was a porn Olympics <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine when your team won the gold medal, what would take on in the streets? Oh, I do imagine. What, oh, yeah, yes. Right Philadelphia early. freedom, baby. I
2: do. I, I uh, listen. I see them do it. I don't know why they do it. I'll never understand it. I would like to loot something at some point in my life. I'm just going to put that out there. Maybe steal Where, something. Were you
0: were you in any any anywhere near Gronkowski's house? <laughs> yeah,
2: I can uh, confirm or deny on uh, uh no, I I would just I want to steal a TV or something at some point in my life. I don't know.
0: You know, I watched in fascination during the Rodney King situation, 1300 independent fires roaring downtown, and I thought to myself, Why wouldn't they have not lit Beverly Hills on fire? They lit their own stores, their own homes, their own stuff on fire, the people that were responsible for this action. I would have thought, Man, I would go where the protest would count and start burning down $10 million homes to make a statement instead of, you know, a liquor store in the corner That so somebody Watts.
2: owns. And one of the best videos, Then we got to get out of here, but I- I'll have to send it to you. Looting was happening in California for something recently, like over this past year, uh-huh. and it was a video of, some, like, these three kids running towards this grocery store, and you see the owner of the grocery store just shoot his shotgun over the head, and they all three run away. <laughs> <laughs> he was just standing there waiting to shoot anyone that came near him. Martial law, I like it. Sam Fortier from the Daily Orange, always nice having you in here. Thanks for having me, Joe Salzone. Eh, I could give or take you. Liverpool pooler spot. Thank you, Daniel Baldwin. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow for another episode of the Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPN Radio Syracuse.